Aloha, welcome to HIF Talks, the official podcast of the Hawaii International Film Festival, presented by Halekulani. My name is Lingo, and I am the program associate of the festival. My guest is Snow Nin Ilang, uh, the filmmaker behind Midwives, which premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in 2022. Midwives is a documentary about a midwife and her apprentice, both living in Myanmar, during a time of intense conflict and ethnic strife for the nation. The film was supported in part by a grant from the Sundance Institute, and the film won the prestigious Special Jury Prize in Verite Filmmaking at the Sundance Film Festival. Snow, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Um, I was able to see the show and, or excuse me, see the documentary and was thoroughly impressed, uh, not just with uh, the context of the story that you want to tell, but also uh, how you told it and the people that you chose to portray to build a larger context. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about the origins of this project and how you came to focus, especially on midwives in Myanmar. Yeah, so actually I was born in Rakhine State, uh, Western part of Myanmar, where um, my character lives. So when um, Rohingya conflict happened in 2012, um, you know, so many Rohingya flee to Bangladesh and and Rakhine Buddhists and Rohingya were um, fighting each other. So it was kind of like a surprise for me because I, when I was little, that state was so peaceful and Buddhists and Rohingya Muslims were um, friends and they lived together. So when all these new coming out, like it's all about, you know, uh, how like they killing each other. It was kind of like, for me, it's really hard to believe what was happening in my state. Um, I then after I was, I lived there for like when I was little, but then I moved to Yango. So I really wanted to find out that why, why it all that happened, even though I live in my my country, I I didn't really know that you know what's going on inside my country. So for me, it's it's really want want me to find out the situation in Rakhine State where I was born. So that's the reason I started uh, to develop uh, midwife story. Oh. When I when I think about the 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 story about midwife, actually I didn't know my character. I just because because as a woman woman filmmaker. For me, it's like, uh, you know, uh, if I have women character, it makes me more easier me to understand and to see like a broader, you know, situation in the Rakhine state. So I was thinking like it's kind of like my imagination character, vision character. Mm-hmm. It should be two women, one Buddhist and one Muslim working together in a in a Rohingya village. So that was only my idea that I started the blood and then I contacted my relative living in a in Rakhine State. Like people thought uh, all these Rohingya people uh, flee to Bangladesh, uh, but actually there are like uh, 60,000 Rohingya still living together with Buddhist community. So I really wanted to find out that how they coexist together and then develop my vision character and then I went back to Rakhine State and searching for my character. Wow. 
Um, that's great. And it's the one thing, there's so many different things that you've mentioned within, uh, you know, that opening answer that I want to unpack a little bit more. One is, mm-hmm. you know, you live in Yangon and at the same time, uh, you know, what was your knowledge of what was going on in your own home state uh, prior to jumping into this documentary? Like what is the media coverage uh, not very close to what's happening uh, compared to what might be happening at the international level? And of course, given the sensitivity of this subject, you know, feel free to disclose what you want to. Yes, I live in Yango and all the news that I hear from our state media was completely different from, from the media, from outside media. So like all the news that we hear is like, oh, Muslims are killing uh, Buddhists and, you know, everything was really like, you know, subject to like only one um, ethnic group. And it was not, as you know, that like military, uh, yeah, they cover all these like uh, true and they, they, you know, they, we only hear like all these fake news in, in our own medias. Mm-hmm. Then when I travel to other countries for like film pitching forum, then I met you know, international filmmakers who were talking about, about like, oh, Rohingya are killing, like, did you see this material? So they showed me like some of YouTube video and it was really like, you know, surprise for me because inside the country, the news media that we hear is completely different from outside media. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was kind of like, it was so much engaging me to start, you know, the the the, um, the, the conflict in, in the region. Um, also, when also in also like when I started this uh, project, um, the area with the area was quite peaceful. Mm-hmm. It was not so much like a conflict between um, Rakhine and Buddhists because they live they live together. But then after two years, it was like civil war happened in in the village where I I've been filming. So yeah. Is that the question that you asked? Yes, me? it does, and uh, I mean, it's it's amazing how uh, difficult it is to get a lot of context around around what's going on um, amongst the Rohingya and in Rakhine. Mm. Um, and uh, I wanted to, you know, shift also to the other topic of how it's interesting that you, you know, this is a documentary film, but you do look at uh, your main subjects in La and uh, Nyonyo as like characters, right? Um, how mm. uh, you know what what were the different possible iterations of this story that you could have told that helped you arrive to uh, focusing on these two in particular? Um, I have another question after that, but I'll I'll go from there. Yes. um, So uh, when I hear about like a a Buddhist community and Rohingya community, they live together. And then I found like uh, two characters together in in the clinic. So when I see two characters, it's really like, as you can see, La character and Yunyu character. they, They have a um uh has so much power you know she is really powerful character to me when 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 i start seeing her also nyonyo is kind of like she has so much motivation to learn medicine so it was really i wanted to learn about you know how they they work together and how peacefully living together in in the region that was my my first intention to start the project uh, but then like uh then after that, my story was not that, not about, you know, only about, you know, coexistence. It's about uh, two women, women friendship, right? Two women, like one is mentor, one is apprentice. So I, so I'm now then after that, the next step, I was very much interested in their relationship. And at the same time, and there is 
civil war happened in in the in the region, and that made me to understand why all these conflicts happen in my country. You know why all these like uh, um, uh, ethnic and group in a different region appear like fighting against military. So that is another layer, like one after one layer, like teaching me to understand my country. Got it. That makes a lot of sense, and I, I think it is uh, clear when it comes to the dynamics between uh, the two midwives, and mm-hmm. um, how that becomes a very efficient microcosm for a lot of the things you want to explore. Um, before I move on to my next question, I am curious. Uh, you know, um, I actually I don't know with certainty what your own ethnic background is. Um, I have presumptions, but I don't want to make them. Um, uh, but you know, what was it like working with uh, you know? one character who is Buddhist, another character who is uh, Muslim Rohingya. And did, was it a process of building up the kind of trust in order to gain access to this intimate space? And did you have to reconcile any of your own biases in the process of doing so? Yes, um, um, because I'm, even though I'm, I was born in Rakhine State, but I, I didn't live there. So somehow for me, it's really, I need to start trust building between Yunyu and La. Because in the beginning, of course, I, I was just a stranger for them. Uh, but sometimes I was, I didn't shoot it. I, I, I didn't film. I just want to make friends. Like uh, I was sitting in the medicine uh, and clean it and, you know, to trust between, between uh, uh, two midwives. Because sometimes they ask me that, are you a journalist? Because we, because they are, because sometimes journalists came to, to the area, then they ask questions and they disappear. So me, I, I travel at so many times. So I, I kind of like trying to, um, you know, promise them that I'm not a journalist. I want to learn about your, um, your like uh, the village and also the cleanest situation. Also, I wanted to know about why, why you, because for example, like La, I wanted to understand why La is, uh, you know, uh, giving uh, medical service to Rohingya. What made her to, uh, support Rohingya community. Also, at the same time, for Nunu, and what made her to learn medicine. So, so really, like I try, I really wanted to understand all their vision. And like after some months, we become like a you know sister. We we become like a sister. We support each other. Sometimes, as you can see in the film, they 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 there is conflict between you know two midwife because of the situation. Also, relationships. Sometimes relationships can be you know sometimes off and on. So at at that time, I was kind of like you know listening between two midwives and trying to be you know um, their relationship stable together. So yeah, it was yeah that make me to uh that make um they trust me more and i think this is they also helped me a lot during the shooting wow you know i I guess i forgot to factor in the fact that you come from the city and um and you know going into a not just a um a more country area but a one that's heavily contested uh, they would have their own biases towards you. And um, that actually leads me to my next question. And again, um, I'm trying to be respectful of a lot of what's going on out there. And I want to you know, always say things and to protect you and others. Uh, but it was fascinating that uh, Lai and uh, Nyonyo were like, 
concerned about your safety um, as a filmmaker, um, as if some people are aware of um, that it's very challenging to be a journalist to say the least in Myanmar and um, and you know the way that you might call yourself a filmmaker, but you look and act very similarly to a journalist when you're out in the field, I presume. Um, so uh, you know, what was uh, your own process of, I'm going to be very blunt, um, of being able to portray the story as you wanted to portray it, but at the same time uh, navigate all of these challenging dynamics as that comes with being an artist such as yourself and uh, how were you able to make it all work? Yeah, actually in the area that way, I think it's not easy to make a film mm -hmm. because, because like, like um, military, uh, you know, all these like security men are always around and, and also soldiers. Um, they actually like there is soldier like uh, you know they live in 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 the school just in front of our flat clinic. There is one compound that they was they they live there for two years. The first the first two years when I was shooting in the village, they were just you know living in front of the clinic. So so for me like I really need to hide my camera. So I never because because like uh, in the the first two years, mostly I shot with iPhone. And a very small camera inside the clinic, mm -hmm. and and also like I, one point I need to be really careful about my safety because sometimes I was just covered like a you know uh, with a scarf like Muslim women like I just cover it so they don't see me when I pass mm -hmm. their you know their the, wow. the place where they be they they were, um, uh, living there so so like it was kind of like I need to be hide. It's kind of like I try not to be uh, trying to be really uh, low profile, and and La and Yunyu was uh, kind of introducing me to villager like uh, their relative living from living in in Yangon, and I'm I'm coming here like uh, you know uh, I'm just coming back and you know relative are coming back, so so two of them they are really welcoming me. That's the way they are they are introducing me and and also protecting me that way. And it was like the first two years was like that. And then after two years, and the civil war broke out in the region. So because of the, the civil war broke out, all these like uh, soldiers living in front of a flood clinic and they disappear because they, I think they, they, they were fighting with the Myanmar military in the forest, in the mountain. So, so all these uh, soldiers disappeared. Then I, I came back with my cameraman. So that time we came wow. back to the village, but on the way to because the the, uh, the village and and like a Miao town is like twenty minute away, away like on the way. So but we always go back to to Miao uh, city, this kind of city. And but we didn't live in the village because Rohingya village uh, we cannot live there. So like every day we have to pass a military gate. So there is always checkpoint on the way to Rohingya village. Mm -hmm. But then like, luckily we found a super helpful tuk-tuk uh, driver, you know, like three-way driver. Uh, so, so, so after two years, I, I kind of like, uh, we, I became friend with that tuk-tuk driver and he helped me like uh, pass, when we passed to the, to uh, military gate and he was like, he stopped like a little bit far away from the gate and he informed uh, to the gate man like where we are going. 
So he was in, he informed like, okay, today we are going to this village and that village. So so he changed all the village name because if he if the gate like um, the gate uh, how do you call it um, military gate man if he found out that we we want to like same village every day it might be you know they will they will get a success right. so so like every day we were searching like a uh, village village name and and we don't have to go down because some people they they we need to you know we need to go down like uh, we have to stand up and then pass uh, in front of the gate and then like we can uh, get back to the to the to the driver like uh, wow. to the tuk so that's the way we had to do it but luckily the uh, tuk tuk driver he was like he stopped somewhere and then we don't have to we don't have to you know stand up and then he informed them and then as soon as he he got a permission so we drove to to the village so on every day i feel like you know such a panic attack you know i can't breathe you know that time always like on the way and coming back to the town it was not easy for us <laughs> that's that's incredible that's the scariest thing i've ever heard of <laughs> for at least yes. a, a documentarian who has to just kind of go through these checkpoints all the time and i i um i can only imagine like what were your stress levels must have been extremely oh. high and um, yeah <laughs> yes uh it's we because me and my camera when we don't we are thinking about you know story like creative part also every day we have to think about how to um you know how to protect our safety you know all the questions that we have to prepare every day like if ever if we get arrested what will happen what can we answer so these are the things like it's it was very stressful actually yeah but also for example like when we make a drone shot and we didn't bring drone shot with us because like we don't know what is the situation where we there so so if after two days of shooting and we order drone from Yangon, like someone from Yangon sent it by bus and then we pick up and then the whole day we shoot and then we send back in the evening. So that's the way we kind of like dealing our equipment. So trying not to get attention from people in the region and also like security men or soldiers. So we have to be really like logistic things like all we need to always think about that. Um. I'm going to ask a, a question and, uh, you know, feel free to not answer, of course. Um, you know, of course, with all this navigation and the subject matter and sensitivity of what's going on in this uh, region of uh, Rakhine, um, what is your status now and the status of this film? Like, I assume this is a film that can't quite be shown in Myanmar. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I'd love to know, you know, it's incredible that you've done so much and so much courage to make this film. Uh but uh, what happens next when it comes to, you know, um, uh, who this film can be seen by um, after all the kind of work that you've had to put into it? Yes, uh, one thing is uh, since the uh, military coup happened, um, all the people in my country, they understand about ethnic minority. They're trying to, you know, uh, before that they were like kind of like shutting down some like big majority of from our people, they don't really understand about uh, ethnic minority, uh, how they've been struggling and how they've been facing. But because of this military coup, like people understand each other. So it kind of like unites for the whole country. So I think when this, uh, um, when the country becomes peace and again, I hope so, then I can, 
I really want to show the whole country. Before that, I was a bit worried that because so many people uh, in my country, they don't really understand about Rohingya community. They don't. Re- they never speak about Rohingya. But now they start talking about Rohingya community because the same thing that we are we are happening like all these the whole country ha- tragedy is like a Rohingya community, right? So we we have like the same situation. So now we see empathy each other. So I think that that give me to show my my films to to country like uh, people in my country and they will be empathy each other and then. Um, this time is we really unite together, even though this tragedy happened in my country. Also, I really wanted to show about uh, show to you know international community, because this this is like they will understand more about Myanmar. Uh, what is really going on inside my country? Who is mm-hmm. there? The big um, you know the bit uh, um, the big guy controlling everything in my country. Like military, they they make it fire somewhere and they just trying to be like fighting each other like an ethnic M group and then after that after that they wanted to own everything so there is only one person that we have to fight is military so all these people like Rohingya people they they are also innocent people like other people so yeah this is the way I wanted to understand to international um, audience Mm -hmm. so through from Rohingya community, we will understand more about what is really inside the country. Because my story is not about not about this issue. Also, like uh, you know, this military could happen within five years. So I think yeah, it keeps uh, kind of like history about my country conflict situation. Mm-hmm. I'd say, um, you know, from my own perspective of looking to understand this, and I've been privileged to have seen certain documentaries uh, that are much more on the ground. Uh, but for the most part, a lot of the understandings of um, Burmese slash Myanmar history has come from either the military perspective of what they want you to see or stories from the elite class and stories from uh, people who have long legacies when it comes to their own uh, you know, political identities with the country. And it's been very refreshing that a film like Midwives is uh, very different from that. It's actually about two people working out of a small space, trying to save lives and also help new lives come into the world um, in a space that is probably the last place for many people they'd want to bring a new life into it, but that's their determination. And um, I'm amazed, and, and I think it's uh, it's moving in a lot of ways, um, and especially uh, the dynamic between um, uh, Hala and Nyonyo and how it's tense in a lot of ways. And there are things that Hala says um, about people who have the same ethnic background as Nyonyo that are upsetting, and um, and also like the kinds of things that you know Nyonyo has to Nyonyo has to endure is also um, challenging too. But um, I'm amazed that uh, that you have man- managed to tell a story um, that is still about the broader picture, but from the people who are most deeply affected by it, um, and that's wonderful. Uh, Snow, we, I've come to the end of all the questions I have for you, and I want to oh. give you one last opportunity to talk about your work and to really uh, guide anyone else that's listening to this to how they can continue to support you. The floor is yours. Yes. Yes. Um, So next week I'm going to Geneva for impact, uh, impact days. So I'm going to meet like international NGOs who are working in Myanmar. 
So, which means that uh, somehow my film can support people and women and children living in in the village and in the in the Rakhine state. So then, after watching my film, uh, they can develop a lot of things and they can support in the region. That's what I'm going to do next week in Geneva. And next month, uh, uh, midwife will be screened at CBH, uh, CBH Talk, uh, Denmark, Copenhagen Film Festival. And it will be, again, competition, like competition program. In a, so it was screened in next month that after that, um, in one more film festival in Prague. So midwife will be screened in, a, and in Prague, then in Munich, and, and then also it will be in a hot dog film festival. So I just got an invitation letter. So it will be screened um, in, a, in a different country. Wonderful. Um, of course, I mean, all of the success is deserved and it's fantastic that your film is uh, making the rounds around the world. And of course, just congratulations so much to you, Snow, uh, for all of this fantastic work that you're doing. And I think personally, I, I would recommend for anyone to go see this film, especially whether you're interested in you know the geopolitics of Myanmar or really interested in an intimate story between two women trying to navigate this crazy situation. Um, at the, its core, that's what it's about. And uh, it's beautifully shot. It's uh, beautifully represented. Uh, and it's just a terrific film. Um, uh, Snow Nolan L. Lang, uh, thank you so much for being on our show. And um, I want to you know thank you again for just being on HIF Talks in general, the official podcast of the Hawaii International Film Festival. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, for those who are listening, and you can enjoy many more on Spotify. A special shout out to the After Bruce team for their support. You can learn more about them by visiting After Bruce. The show is executive produced by Anderson Lay and Becky Stachetti. My name is Lee Ngo, and I have been your host and producer and the program associate of HIF. For all of you listening out there, on behalf of HIF, aloha and mahalo. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you.